Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Und läuft dann in Keeper Freisel rein. Ayrdale vollendet. 4 zu 0. Beste. Ball kommt in die Mitte. Und zu Kleindienst. Kleindienst. Güter. Linke Seite ist blank. Vielleicht. Ja, vielleicht. Vielleicht zieht er ihn in Salazar. Tor. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Svarta Bundesliga podcast. On today's edition, we'll be discussing all of the action from match day 21. A weekend that saw the Invincibles become more mortal. Teams at the top feeling the pressure and a relegation battle that continues to be unpredictable. And it certainly proved to be the case once more on the weekend. It's going to sound a little bit different, the podcast. Admittedly, uh, I'm recording the first six games on Sunday, uh, and given sort of my schedule on the Monday, I'll do the last three games. And there's a good chance that this podcast will come out before uh, the Super Bowl um, between San Fran and uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, go Niners. So, um, look, without further ado, let's get to the action and and the big game that happened on Friday night: Hamburger SV against Hanover at the Volkspark Stadion. Fifty-seven thousand flat made it to what was an unbelievably chaotic match and another seven-goal thriller. Uh, but this time, it was Hanover. For the second time this season, they've won in a game that featured seven goals, but this one was 4-3 in their favor. They were the better side for the majority of the game and they had an excellent first half. Goals from Nicola Trizoldi, an own goal from Guillermo Ramos and Louis Schaub. Made, had the visitors 3-1 up at the break. Uh, Laszlo Benes got a goal in 24 minutes to get that one goal. Uh, changes made by Tim Walter. Dennis Hansi Kardunic came off the bench. Uh, and he scored um, a brilliant goal on 47 minutes to make it 2-3. And we were certainly teed up for what was going to be a scintillating end to the game. It seemed as if Hamburg were about to rescue a point when Robert Glatzel... Uh, put home Laszlo Benesch's cross for his 14th of the campaign. But none of us could have predicted that Hamburg would completely self-destruct. A terrible challenge by Laszlo Benesch saw an initial yellow card given by Soren Storks. But thanks to VAR intervention, a red card was given and correctly so. There's a good chance he'll miss at least two, potentially three games. And three important games coming up for Haasval. Down a man, they were very much reeling Hamburg and... In the eighth minute of stoppage time, Hanover got their, their winning goal. Samaroya's cross went through a gaggle of players and Sebastian Ernst was completely unmarked and he put the ball past Matteo Rab, who was in for Daniel Hoyer-Fernandez, who was dropped for this game. And that's your result. 4-3, your final. It means that Hanover were a big winner on match day 21. At the very least, they will be fifth and only two points at the time of recording this away from... The pl promotional playoff, which is hosted by Kiel. Three points behind Hamburg. Um, it's also three games in a row with victory for Stefan Lytle's side. And look, they were impressive. I thought the midfield battle was was won by Hanover. In the most part, Leopold was great in this game. Looked really controlling. But I do want to talk about Sebastian Ernst because under the Lytle's regime, um, he, you know, he came over from Jan Regensburg. He looked certainly out of the team in a sense that he didn't feel like he was going to be one of those players that could find a way back in. And, and you wouldn't have been surprised had he had he moved on in the, in the winter. 
Um, but he's he's become a pivotal contributor uh, for Stefan Lytle during this period. Um, yeah, look, it's 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 a stark contrast because uh, they're unbeaten in the four games they've played in 2024. They they didn't win until April 1st of uh, 2023, and slowly but surely they are they're clawing their way back. It's their first win against Hamburg since 2021. It's the first time they won at the Volkspark Stadium since 2020. Um, it has been a long time between drinks for them, but it does. Uh, I, I don't want to. I'm, I'm still. I still don't believe them, and just because I've seen it before um, with with Hanover, I just don't buy it. I, I just want to see. Do they have? Do they have the solutions? I mean, losing Derek Kuhn, uh, which will eventually be. I think it's like three and a half million transfer fee, but the payments are being. Sp- Read over four seasons or something like that. I can't recall off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, the, you know, Yannick Dean was the option I was talking with. I think it was Jakob on, on social media and we were kind of figuring out what their team could look like. They do have Brooklyn Eze, who's been, who's slowly coming back to coming back to it after being away from the team for, for mental health reasons. And, uh, you know, good to see he got the help he needed. Uh, we, we also talked about no Marcel Hastenberg for this game. So we saw Arian Bay in that back four. They were okay to an extent. It wasn't perfect. Um, but a good result, really, for Hanover. Um, and a deserved one. I, I thought they were really good. Their, their opening phases were very strong. They um, they looked very dangerous when they could get into those wider areas. Get the overlaps. They did a lot of the same stuff. Same, similar actions with Dame that they would do with Kern. Um, which seemed to work quite well for them. But yeah, Hamburg, absolute disarray. It, it's not even... You, you can go as far back as the Vushkovic stuff, and that's that's fair, because that whole situation has just become a mess, and, and I, I like feel sorry, terribly sorry for him that we won't hear until, I think it's May. Um, you know, and at that point, it'll be, what, nearly 18 months, I think of what was supposedly a two-year suspension. Completely ruined him. Um, but they look so inadequate without Sebastian Schonlo leading the line defensively. Uh, we saw Ambrosius and Ramos, who are just... Who, I, I, like, I think Ambrosius is, is a little bit better than Ramos, but both of them were not great in this game. Uh, they Walter yanked Ambrosius for Hansi Kardunic. Uh, he was also sent off in this game with a second yellow for a foul like deep in stoppage time. But yeah, they just there's gonna look. It's a really uncomfortable conversation for Hamburg because the initial talk is, what do you do with Tim Walter? They haven't really improved out of the winter break. Defensively, they are still very bad at, at times, and um, I don't think the changing a goalkeeper was sure. He's been in pretty ordinary form, Hoy Fernandez, to start the new year, um, but. You know, Rabs barely played, and he he looked like someone who hasn't played a lot of football, admittedly. Um, you know, maybe he's their goalkeeper next season. Um, as we know, this is a bit of a loss. That's it's such a weird way to talk about Hamburg because they are still second. They can go down to fourth should Furt and Kiel win on Sunday. Um, but it's just yeah, it's it's hard to really say what what's going to happen from from reports. Uh, from the build, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, this the Rostock game becomes massive. Like they have to win. 
and I you suspect that any 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 result that isn't a win could see the end for for Tim. You know they've won three of the last five games in all comps, um, but I suppose you know I they are probably looking at a development standpoint. Has this team grown and improved this year? And yeah, to an extent they have. Um, they've got really good fighting quality. You know, again they came from three one down in this game to get to three three, but then once they went down to ten, um. They never looked likely to get a result. Um, it's a big, yeah. So it's a it's a big one, and and I do I do apologize if I if I sort of refer th- to things as tomorrow. Um, yeah, as explained in the intro, we're talking on Sunday, Ayla today. Um, so Rostock at home, uh, sorry Rostock away. That's a world feed game on Saturday. Elvisburg at home, which is also a world feed game, and then Osnabrück uh, heading into March for for Hanover. Massive game. They got Fürth on Friday night. That's a world feed game. Osnabrück away, which could be a bit of a banana skin game for them. And then Fortuna Düsseldorf at home, also a world feed game on the second of March. Let's talk about St. Pauli. Important game for them. They went to Magdeburg. Look, that that well, the streak has been going on twenty games. Without defeat, very much similar to the Aiken of what Leverkusen are doing in the Bundesliga. And they were looking to hold on to that when they made the journey to Magdeburg. And something just something about the performance was just a little bit off. It just didn't have that same sort of penetration into the the final area. They did have more shots than, than Magdeburg in this game, but didn't really feel like they were dangerous chances. I think they had a couple in a couple like decent half chances in the first half but they always seemed like they were a pass off or um you know one touch too many yeah there was a bit of sort of like an off-putting way that they went about it and you know Magdeburg played quite well in this game and for mine deserving of the one nil win which came on 72 minutes when Nikolai Vasil absolutely sold Karol Metz into all sorts of trouble Amiichi picks him off, quick ball across goal, and Barris Attic just taps home a nice, easy, Joe the Goose style finish. Um, important win for Magdeburg, if anything. Um, you know, 27 points, and like if you just take it on face value, at least they'll be six points ahead of the relegation playoff spot, which is massive given how tight the league has been this season especially in the relegation battle massive result like gigantic win for them but the i think the one thing that was really pleasing about what they did was especially in the second half because they they were under a lot of pressure they just couldn't like they did all the dirty things the thing that magdeburg have always been really ordinary at under teats especially in the spider bundesliga is their defense like they, you know they're good for a mistake if you use sort of a generic football quote. Um, but they worked really hard, and look, you know, it's it's a surprise to me when I was doing the notes that it's their second clean sheet in four games. Both of them coming at home, uh, but they had twenty five clearances. They were just they were able to do the do do the one percenters. You know, the the one percenters 
as much as like you know oh we, we sort of dismiss clearances and block shots like they they all matter in in the grand scheme of things and it was pleasing to see them do that the other thing they did really well in this game was runs in behind the defense so i really liked how they used amiichi in this game teats did a really good job at um really isolating philip troy philip true um troy philip troy sorry um how they isolated him in one-on-one situations they played a bit direct they let amiichi get in behind it got him got him into these really good spaces whether it was close to the byline or at the edge of the box where he could put a ball into the area and and there were a few occasions where he was able to do so and do so successfully but he's really like taken jason checker's spot um in the starting 11 checker was unused sub in this game and, and given once they'd scored it was probably not the necessary substitution to make um but that was also good and i think when they had castanos on they just a li- little bit more dynamic in the final third he was immediately a bit more dangerous he had that chance early in the second half which he should have scored um but they just yeah they just, they just didn't have that continuity with Schuler up top you could just see that they didn't trust it as much um but yeah a good result uh, in spite of the the pitch being in really awful shape it, i don't know what they're in the water over there but um hideous it was just hacked to bits and i think there's there was footage of dominic ryman uh just absolutely hacking it up uh, absolutely trying to punt a uh, a loose bit of grass so yeah they've got herter away on friday night uh then schalke at home in the top game before a trip to paderborn on the third for saint Pauli, i guess the silver lining here is that it, look as, as great as they've been, it never felt... For me, anyway, it didn't feel like they were going to go the whole season unbeaten. It just didn't... Or, you know, without losing. I just didn't feel like that was going to happen. And perhaps this isn't, this isn't a bad thing for them. Bit of a reset mentally. Uh, they should get Jackson Irvine back this week. He he missed... Uh, he, hasn't been, he hasn't been feeling well. Um, so they, they, they didn't take a chance in him. Good chance he might be available next week for their game against Eintracht Braunschweig, which suddenly becomes a lot more interesting given what Braunschweig are doing. We'll talk about them in Group 2. Um, but, yeah. Look, it's the first time since match day 13 against Hanover that they failed to score in the league. That was back in November. So, yeah. I, I, I guess they need to, to need to find ways to get Johannes Segerstein firing again. We had that massive pur- yeah, that purple patch um, middle of the Hinrunde, but since then he's, he's, he's sort of been structurally there but hasn't been able to find the touch um yeah I just don't yeah they just weren't able to get they just weren't able to get going that, i think that's the the thing for them and it was just a, a really clumsy mistake in the end that cost them um we'll see what they do they got branch fry then they've got keel away that's a world feed game on a friday and then they're at schalke uh, also a friday night game uh let's turn our attention to fortuna dusseldorf they welcomed elversburg on Saturday afternoon. Fortuna Dusseldorf haven't won a game in the Spider Bundesliga in 2024. That's something I don't think any of us thought would be the case. And despite how good they've been in the Pokal, it's just not gone well for them in the league so far. Only one point to the name heading into this game. Um, and look, they were better against Elversburg. They opened the scoring with uh, Isak Bergman, Johannesson, Getting the opening goal. It was a really well-worked goal. 
Um, but despite their dominance, they had a, a sort of like a 15-minute spell start of the second half where they just weren't there mentally. And Elvisburg took advantage of that. Really good play to get Rockhelt involved. You know, Rocket Rockhelt is what he should... He is a Rocket. I actually really enjoy watching Rockhelt play. Anyway, he gets he really bypasses the fence, gets the byline, easy pass across to Buyumba, and Josef Buyumba gets his second goal of the campaign. They almost stole the game, Elversberg, at the end. There was a thought that Wahid, uh, Wahid Fakir had won the game on the stroke of 90 minutes when uh, Dusseldorf were clearly playing a bit aggressive and, and Elversberg was sitting back. They get into a counter-attacking situation. Um... Fakir gets a one-on-one with Kastemeyer, which he scores. We also Everyone celebrates it's the thought that they've stolen the game. And then uh, the referee, uh, uh, Richard Hempel, um, through VAR, no bueno, offside. 1-1 is your final. A few things here for Fortuna Dusseldorf. Because uh, it was great to see all the colour. Uh, obviously, Carnival, uh, Carnival was happening in... Uh, in Germany, especially in the Rhine, Cologne and, and, and Dusseldorf. But I really think they did some good things, Dusseldorf. They were great in the wide spaces. Um, they, they they put a lot of balls into the box. That 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 provided a lot of pressure on the uh, the Elversberg defence. They had um, Frederick Yackel back in, in the, to the team. Um, but you could see that Elversberg were a little bit unsettled early on. Uh, they lost... Who did they lose? They lost uh, a Carlos Siginger who was who was playing centre back with Yakel, and uh, that's bring in um, uh, Florian Lejoncourt. And Lejoncourt was really good last week, um, but you could see that they were a little bit vulnerable, just trying to figure out who um, you know how they were going to set up, and then Yakel was yanked at, yanked at half time. But lots of balls into the box. I thought they you know they really utilised Nemich quite well. I thought Vermeer was active at least. Um, but they just, yeah, the, the lack of, for all the good things they did in this game, they really burnt a lot of opportunities. And and even though they had, what, 13, you know, they had 13 shots of the game, four of them on target, they had the better chances in this game for mine. And they just didn't really make the most of them. Um, and I suppose now it, it'll be interesting to see what they prioritize here because granted they're only, you know, five points away from Hamburg in second at the time of recording this it does feel as if promotion is starting to slip away a little bit with only two points from their opening four games uh this calendar year do they focus on the Paul Carl we know they're going to be playing Bayer Leverkusen in the semi-final at the Bayer Arena what a test what a momentum grabbing opportunity for Fortuna to make a Paul Carl final to represent the side of Bundesliga, but more importantly, you know, to, to be in grasp of, of silverware, one of the nicest trophies. I, I think it is probably one of the, if not the nicest trophy in world football, is the Paul Carl. Glorious. And thankfully, there'll be no Red Bull tarnishing that, that beautiful trophy. Um, so we'll see what happens because Karlsruhe, Hansa Rostock, and Hanover are the next three. All teams that have something to play for, Karlsruhe, more, if anything, 
continuity is what they seek. Hansa are in the relegation battle and Hanover have suddenly almost put themselves in the mix for promotion, although I find it still a little bit dubious at the moment if they can do it. But we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see what they can do. But yeah, <laughs> winning has become hard for them a little bit in the league. Uh, Felversburg, yeah, good point, I suppose. Um, puts them up to eighth at the to- at this time. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. I look. I think they they'd be happy where they are at, especially given that they were beaten five 0 in this fixture early in the season. They've showed really growth. I thought Christoph was really good in goal as well. Um, he's had some weird moments throughout the campaign, um, but I, I I really liked his performance. He he looked confident. He looked he looked very solid controlling the area, and um, yeah, important. They they need good goalkeeping if they're going to stay up. So. Uh, Osnabrück is their next opponent. Big game for them. They can really put some distance between them and the relegation zone. Um, then Hamburg away. That's a world feed game. And then Wiesbaden. So three really big games coming up. And then as they as they sort of peter towards the ne- the last international break of this season, they can really put themselves in a in a strong position to avoid the, the stresses of relegation and, and start to build for next season. But it is looking pretty good for them. Before we get to Group 2, we're going to hear from our sponsor, Manscaped, and then we'll look at Eintracht Braunschweig and Karlsruhe. Roses are red, violets are blue, trim your balls and your date will thank us too. What's up, fellas? Valentine's Day is knocking and Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered. His prescription, the all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob you are. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com to snag 20% off and free shipping with the code 2BundesligaPod. Let's talk about the hero of Valentine's Day, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. This electric trimmer features skin-safe technology, guarding your V-Day treasure against any grooming mishaps. It also comes with our brightest LED spotlight yet. It's brighter than your best romantic smile. Perfect for precise grooming, even in the trickiest spots. Oh! It's waterproof too, making shower shaves a breeze. But hey, that's not everything the Love Doctor ordered. This package also features the Weed Whacker 2.0 Nose Hair Trimmer, Manscaped's liquid formulations, and two free goodies, the Shed Travel Bag and Boxers 2.0, because comfort is king for all my dog. And for a happy ending, there's the Manscaped Refined Cologne. It's the Valentine's Day touched to your grooming routine. Elevate your grooming routine and set the stage for a romantically smooth celebration. And for the Bearded Kings, Manscaped brings you the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Designed to shape your scruff effortlessly, it sculpts cheek lines and maintains beard styles, giving you that suave look for your romantic moments. Seamlessly handling even thicker beards, it's the perfect tool for a polished, date-ready appearance. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 2BundesligaPod at manscaped.com. That's 20% with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code 2BundesligaPod. Because your grooming upgrade awaits, ready to charm your Valentine's Day. After the disappointment of losing to Schalke the week before, Braunschweig were hoping to return to winning ways when they welcomed Karlsruhe to the Eintracht Stadion. Karlsruhe, of course, f- falling foul of that draw against Van Wiesbaden, were also hoping to taste the sweet nectar of victory. It was an interesting start to the game. Karlsruhe were really the, the, the team that asserted their sort of dominance on the game. 
But of course, all that was undone just 11 minutes in when uh, Christoph Kobold fouled uh, Erman Bacacic in the box and a penalty was given. It seemed a bit harsh, but I suppose it was pretty unnecessary from Kobold to, to shove in the box and uh, referee uh, Tobias Veltz took a pretty dim view on the situation and a penalty was given. Hassan Kurache from the spot, 1-0 Eintracht Braunschweig. Much of the same. Karlsruhe really dominated the game. They had the most possession, most shots on goal, most touches on the ball, but they really didn't make a lot of their opportunities. And ultimately, as we know in the Zweite Bundesliga, or in any football in particular, if you don't take your chances, the opposition tend to. And this is what happened, as in 15 minutes before regular time came up, substitute Anderson Lukoki's long-range effort sort of got held up between a bunch of bodies, and Bacacic was on hand to put in his third goal of the season. All three goals have come at home, and as they say, fortune favours the opportunistic as Pachacic won the penalty, and he ended up making it 2-0. Uh, a good reason why Braunschweig won this game was uh, Ron Torben Hoffman had a stellar performance in goal for De Leuven. And look, he's putting together a very good season, as you would expect from a goalkeeper of such high quality and pedigree. And it just makes you wonder what it looks like for him. He had seven saves in this game. Um, what does this mean in the grand scheme of things for Braunschweig? Well... It means that they are in a very good position to at least end the match day outside the, the bottom three. In fact, they will, unless Hansa wins handsomely. But I guess you'll you'll know by the time this is uh, out in the open. But the transformation under Daniel Schoening is very noticeable. They play a different brand. It's clear that they're really honing on their counter-attacking, using the pace. We spoke about it with Kivi last week. But the numbers and the results in particular tell the story. In the nine games that they've played under Daniel Schoening, six wins, three defeats. So six of the nine uh, games have won it, have ended in wins. That's 18 points, average of two points per game. To put that in perspective of the previous administration, shall we say, under Hertel, well, they, they barely didn't, they basically didn't fire at all. Uh, seven goals and 24 conceded. At the time, one of the worst defenses in the division, Osnabrück, just a little bit worse. Since Schoening has taken over, 14 goals, so doubled the goal-scoring output, but much better on the defensive end. Nine goals conceded. Um, in that stretch of time, no team has accumulated more points or has a better record than Braunschweig over the last nine games. And I know nine games is a bit of a weird number, but in the context, it's a, it's essentially about a quarter you know, of a season. So the results are there. And just to showcase what a good job he's doing comparative to, say, his previous role, he managed only six wins in 20 games at Armenia Bielefeld. 11 of those games ended in defeat. I suppose um, a lot of that has to do with a game style, but also in players that could emulate what he's asking them to do. That seems to be the most likeliest form of outcome. And... Um, yeah, Braunschweig doing doing absolute bits. And yeah, I mean, the next three games are tough. St. Pauli away um, will be a really good test for them because Pauli coming off that defeat to Magdeburg, you expect that they're going to be really on on form for this one. But um, yeah, I, 
I think Braunschweig might be equipped for it. I think the biggest thing in this game, though, was that Braunschweig got the opening goal. We spoke about it last week with Kivi, how, how the game could have been very different against Schalke had um, Braunschweig had converted a half chance in the, in the opening stages of the game where they were very much in control. And by getting the goal, they were more than happy to concede possession. It really played to their advantages and what's worked well for them. And obviously getting that second goal before uh, the 90 put the icing on the cake for them. Um, for Kalzura, it's just one of those games where things just didn't pan out. You know, they had their opportunities. They played some good football. But they just, yeah, they lacked the clinical finish. Um, we've seen that, the, you know, their, their, their systems work. Uh, but ultimately, when you go a goal behind in the manner that they did, um, and against a team that, as we know, seems to uh, seem, plays a lot better with the game state in hand rather in the than in the balance, you know, we saw it, it became very tough for Karlsruhe, and, and they also ran into a pretty red-hot goalkeeper, which didn't help their cause as well. So they still, you know, they sit in 10th. They still have to look over their shoulders because results can slowly drag them back into the relegation spot, but seven wins, seven draws, seven defeats, 38 goals for 38 against uh, very much Jerry Seinfeld. They're breaking even at the moment, but um, we'll see if they can get a result. You've got Fortuna Dusseldorf on Saturday night before Kaiserslautern um, and Greta Fürth, which is also a Saturday night game in the first week or the first days of March. To the Fritz Walter Stadium we go. This was the top game of match day 21, as in the Saturday night kickoff. Uh, Kaiserslautern against Paderborn. An important game for Kaiserslautern. Yes, they've had the success in the Pokal, and we await to see if they will be playing a home game against Borussia Mönchengladbach, or will it be an away game at Saarbrücken? We await that uh, conclusion when that game happens in March. So I don't know why it's taken so long, but fair enough. Um, Kaiserslautern have only won once in their last 11 games in the Zweite Bundesliga. And whilst they beat Schalke resoundingly, they had a tough time with this one. They started the game fantastically well when uh, Timo Pukash found Jan Elvedi with a, with a scintillating corner routine. Elvedi was completely untouched on his way to the his second goal of the campaign. That first 10 minutes, they were electric. They were fantastic in the game. They had a second goal taken away for offside through Ragnar Ake, and they looked up for it. Unfortunately, they just couldn't sustain the energy and presence of mind. And as this was happening, Paderborn started to claw back into the game, claw a bit of momentum. And you could sense around the Fritz Walterstadion in particular that Paderborn was sucking the positive energy and every ticky foul was starting to get on the nerve of the home fans. It started to become a little bit more frustrating. And then obviously got worse when um, Boris Tomiak handled the ball inside the box. On the, uh, on the on the Just after the hour mark, David Kinsombi, he shoots to his left. Has a missed a penalty. Scores. Second goal of the campaign. And it's 1-1. Uh, it's <clears throat> and then a bit of their own medicine in the end. Uh... It was a wonderful corner routine from Paderborn to steal this game. Uh, Rafael Obermeyer into the into with an excellent ball in, and Vissar Muslu, the centre back, who's been who was pretty good in this game. Excellent header, pass Julian Kral, and uh, that was it. Two one. It means that Kaiserslautern will end the match day in the bottom three. 
and that we're already in a position to talk about what to do with Demetrius Grimotsis. It seems that that talk's happening. Whether they pull the trigger on that or not, because they haven't really seen much in the way of development. Yes, he's won the two cup games. They beat, you know, they beat Nuremberg, they beat Hertha. And that's great that they're in the semi-final of the Pokal. We love that. And, you know, if if uh, if things go right, we'll see Fortuna Dusseldorf and Kaiserslautern in the final. That would be great. Really great for the podcast. But also uh, gives me an impetus to cover it. I'll cover it if one of the teams is in the final. So, um, but just it, it was it was it was agonizing towards the as the game progressed. Um, you could just see it. Paderborn, like the, the game was very much in the balance for a long period of time, especially when it was at one nil. But the moment they gave up that penalty, you just there was a sense, a sixth sense that Paderborn were about to to win the game. Didn't you? Didn't know how it was going to come or when. But you felt after Kinsombi scored, Paderborn are going to go and win this game, aren't they? And there was sort of that inevitability that Kaiserslautern just couldn't hold up defensively. They just, nothing seemed to work. The subs didn't really make much of an impact in the game. Um, you know, Abiyama, Stojokovic, Apoku really didn't inject enough. You know, where you could you could feel satisfied with what was going on. And now they face a really precarious situation where, you know, 12 months ago, we were like, okay, you know, they can they can build on what they're doing this year. And it's almost, in many ways, it's almost criminal how good this team is talent-wise. But they're squandering. It's being squandered. I, you know, system doesn't seem to, you know, it, I'm, I'm not, I don't know exactly the problem. But there's a clear fundamental issue. They don't really know who to play. They, there's a lot going on um, behind the scenes. and I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. But it is problematic. What are they doing at the moment? It's not working. And it's hard to see a quick solution for them. It's very hard to see a solution. And it will be very interesting to see what this team looks like against Nuremberg on Sunday. Because that's that's a must-win game, and you, you you know you know how hard it is for teams if they've had multiple managers in a season. Typically, those teams go down. We saw it last season. We've seen it seasons prior. They need to figure out what they're going to do. There's 13 games left in the season, and in in a where every every point counts, they don't want to be in the playoff. The playoff just doesn't. For whatever reason, Spider Bundesliga clubs in the in the relegation playoff just it doesn't gel. And if you look at who they might have to face in the from the Dritzliga, you know there's some there's some difficult teams that you you know you don't want to face, like you know Essen who you know they're, they're difficult. Ingolstadt if they get there, Ulm who were playing Regionalliga and it's it's very much in the mold of. Of a team coming out of nowhere to, to gain promotion, um, but it's a it's a scary proposition. Like for whatever reason, we've seen it time and time again. Teams that have had to take on the playoffs, and and you don't want to be there. You obviously don't want to be in the relegation to the relegated to automatically either. But um, yeah, it's looking very nervy for for Kaiserslautern, and and um, we spoke about their over reliance of Ragnar Ake, 
But when he he, he kind of got shut out of this game, he didn't really have much influence in the second half, and and that's you know that was more, also part of the reason why Paderborn were able to get back into it. So yeah, Lauten have Nuremberg, Karlsruhe, and Hansa. Uh, Paderborn they welcome Kiel on Saturday, then they're at Wiesbaden, then home for Magdeburg. Let's talk about Wiesbaden. They welcome Nuremberg on Friday night to the Britta Arena. Nuremberg brought a pretty solid contingent. Uh, I guess if you're looking at the TV broadcast on the right of screen was the visitors in, and they pretty much covered majority, I'd say like 75% of the, uh, the, the the away end. So it was a really good uh, atmosphere that they brought. 1-1 was your final. Um, Nuremberg were actually dom- were pretty dominant in this game. They didn't have Ch- Chan Ozen. He was out in this one. Um, so they they relied on Talon Duman, who we haven't seen a lot of recently. Um, and, you know, I felt that um, Duman was really good. He, he filled the Urzen run. He played more as a as an eight, who got quite forward. He worked well with Vikessa, who, who also was injected on the left. Um and and but they couldn't find a goal in the first half and then unsurprisingly they conceded through a goalkeeping error uh, Klaus played a pretty pretty hot ball to Florian Flick um which was easily intercepted and and Ivan Pratayan scored just on the stroke of the hour he's got eight goals this season but um an excellent set piece just 9 minutes later to equalize uh Vikessa's ball in for Ivan Marquez and Marquez getting his first goal of the campaign but uh, yeah, Nuremberg, Nuremberg were better. It was it was improved from what we saw last week. I think there was a lot of positives on what they were doing. We know they've been very reliant on Urzun, which is fair enough. Kid's talented. Um, but when you lose him to illness, you know, you've got to find other solutions. And this is sort of where they're at at the moment. Um, they're really going to try and get Anderson in the goals. Again, he, he provides them an option, so that's clear. They seem a bit more... They've got a bit more continuity at the top um, comparative to when they had Hayashi, who's who's out with um, with injury, and you won't see him till April. Uh, we won't see Lurkemper. He's got a back injury. So they're, so they're pretty lean up top at the moment, and um, I don't think they trust what they've got in attack. So... Yeah, uh, one one actual bright spot was to see Yannick Hoffman make his uh, his debut for for Nuremberg. Played the uh, the second half, um, and that was that was you know a lot of people were really happy to see him come on. Uh, he came on for Benjamin Goller at half time, so that was cool. Um, let's see what they can do against Kaiserslautern. They've got the uh, the Frankenland derby against Greuterfurt, and. Eintracht Braunschweig and starts the month of March. Wiesbaden, they've got Schalke away before hosting Paderborn and then Elversberg away heading into the month of March. Let's take our final break. And on the other side, we'll discuss the games from Sunday. We're going to start at the Holstein Stadion when Holstein Kiel welcomed Schalke. After beating Braunschweig last weekend, Schalke were hoping to double their luck when they made the journey to Kiel on Sunday. Kiel are yet to win in 2024, and with teams around them losing on match day 21, this presented an excellent opportunity for them 
to get back into the top two, should they beat Schalke. Well, they were definitely the better of the two sides, having a couple of very good chances early on through Shuto Machino and Joshua Mies. But the teams entered the break all square. But it definitely seemed as if Kiel had the better chances, despite a little spurt of Schalke magic uh, either side of the halves. Eventually, it would become a 1-0 lead for Kiel, an excellent set-piece and a brilliant finish from Steven Skripsky. And that was enough to see De Storka get their first win of 2024 in the league. And more importantly, leapfrog Hamburg into second place. Uh, and it means that, uh, yes, the side of Bundesliga is still Nord. Fantastic goal from Skripsky. It was a brilliant volley at the back post from a corner. Really poor defending. I don't know how you leave one of the more dangerous players... Um, in the division, all marked. He's now got seven goals this season, and and and, and a, I don't know what it is, but whenever he plays Schalke, he seems to just turn it up a little bit. Maybe a bit dismayed from his time in Gelsenkirchen, but yeah, very good performance from Skribski. Uh, I thought Rambo Nikola Rambo uh, Ramberg, Rambo was fantastic, and I think the real mark of what the game was about was intensity. Schalke really didn't bring much of it. And, you know, just looking at some of the numbers done by Bundesliga Analytics, um, Ben does a very good job with the, the data set. Um, and the press, the PPDA uh, for, for Schalke, 20.6 um, PPDA passes per defensive action. So, yeah, not I, I didn't feel like Schalke were particularly good in this game either. They had that one really good chance from Merkin on 23 minutes. But following that really didn't show enough to, to suggest that anything was going to happen. And given the results over the weekend, yeah, hard. Um, they languished two points over the relegation zone. Uh, we'll talk about Rostock in, in the, in at the end here. Yeah, it, it's, it's look, it's going to be really difficult for them. Um, the next three games, V Spartan at home. We know how good defensively V Spartan are. And when those two teams played last time, it was a 1-1 draw. Um, then they've got Magdeborg, who have shown a bit of life, improved a little bit defensively in the short sample size of 2024. And then St. Pauli, who, of course, lost their first game of the match day. Kiel, important win for them. It gets things back on track after what had been a pretty sketchy start to the season, uh, to the to the uh, the new year. But yeah, there's a lot they can take from it. They pressed very well, uh, despite missing their two generals in midfield in in in, um, in Lewis Holtby, who who was unavailable for this game, uh, and Willem Zander, the, the club captain. Uh, but they found solutions in in other areas, which was really impressive. I thought Joshua Mees was quite good in this game. We haven't seen a lot of him this season, um, but he he played up top alongside Machino, and Machino had a decent game without. A bit of quality. I think that's the one thing that's really deserted him this season is just hasn't been able to get it going. But you look at just across the board, midfield battle, they were fantastic. You know, Schultz and, and Renberg really controlled the middle of the park, had good options out wide with Porats and and, and Rorta. And uh, yeah, looks good for them. Paderborn away suddenly becomes a really important game for them because of uh, Paderborn's win in Kaiserslautern on Saturday night. And start in there, and you know you don't want to get them in the mix for that playoffs or even automatic promotion. So, yeah, 
really good area. Then they've got St. Pauli, which is a World Feed game, and then Hertha away, also a World Feed game. So some good games coming up. And, and, and look, another opportunity for, for the World Feed fans to have a gander at, at what Kiel are doing. But um, yeah, important win for them to, to, to get off the schneid for 2024 and, and see what they can do going forward. Let's move to Fürth. Grotefurt hosted Hertha Berlin. Uh, her, there was a lot of crisis talk for regarding Hertha, and, and fairly so. They've been in a bit of a rut of late, and had they had they lost on the weekend, um, you know, they would have been only five points above the relegation zone, and uh, then we would have definitely had even more serious conversations from last week about what to do with Paul Dardo. It definitely seemed the set pieces were the friend of Hertha when they opened the scoring in 34 minutes. An excellent corner kick found Mark Oliver Kempf with a resounding header, uh, and he would score again on 63 minutes, um, which would end up being the game-winning goal. Uh, this time it was from a free kick, and a header with a slight deflection was enough to beat uh, Jonas Orbig. In between that, Brandon Hugota scored a sensational goal, run of real quality, um, the man hit R1 on, on his PlayStation controller and finessed that ball past Tiak Ernst into the back of the net. That's goal number eight for him. And despite Furt throwing the kitchen sink to get an equalizing goal, they didn't have enough. It's a massive win for Herta, who have very much struggled this season, you know, struggled of late to find the winning formula. Um, but as you would expect, a lot of their, their winning form came at the hands of the performances of Fabian Riza, who we know how over-reliant this team is on, on his excellent form. He was really good in this game, again. Um, but yeah, first one of the, the new year. They haven't won since the 9th of December, which was against Kaiserslautern at the fritz Walter Stadion. That was another game that uh, Riza just took over <clears throat> all on his own. I thought Paco Dardo was pretty good in this game as well. Um you know, for all the, the nepotism claims, which are which are very fair. Um, yeah, you know, he had an assist in this game. Oh, that was fantastic. I really liked his performance. And it was quite interesting how they they show, they, they were a bit more conventional in, in what we would tend to see. Uh, they didn't have um, Tony Leisner for this game. He had a yellow card suspension. So we saw Clemens and, and Kempf, and that was actually really good. Kempf had a pretty good game before he was subbed off and... Um, in favour of Hoffman. So they're giving Hoffman a bit of a run around. But uh, yeah, I, I suppose the only blemish from this would be the fact that Niederlechner was sent off in this game for second yellow card, the second foul on Hugota, <clears throat> which means he'll miss the Magdeburg game on the on the weekend. And, and, and looking forward for them, you know, they're a bit lean at the moment. You know, Tabakovic was out with an injury. Prevoyak was also missing through injury. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe they look at maybe putting Christian uh, Christensen up top. You know, they've got options to, to, to sort of play around with. Um, but in terms of like out and out striker, someone who can really lead the line, they they don't really have that in the moment. Maybe maybe they play Sharehunt as as a number nine. You know, it's a role he can play. We've seen him operate more on the right hand side of midfield. Um, but maybe something that they might have to look at for the Magdeburg game as a whole. Um, for Fürth, 
bit disappointing. I thought they were really slow out of the gates. Um, you know, they didn't really offer a whole lot. I thought Hertz, you know, they really allowed Hertz to sort of sit back a bit. You know, Hertz were okay not to play on with with the ball in in a sense, but um, yeah, just they really didn't do enough for mine. Um, pretty disappointing performance all around. Um, but yeah, just yeah, Lempelay and Zeb really weren't given a chance. It's actually the first time this season, this year, that Zeb hasn't scored uh, in because he scored in previous three games. But yeah, the, him and Lempelay just didn't didn't really function as as well. Um, you know, Hogorta was obviously was really good in this game, but yeah, it was all around a bit of a disappointing performance from uh, from Fiat. And uh, yeah, two two defeats on the bounce and. So now that game against Hanover on Friday night's a massive game. Um, now the teams are only separated by a point on the table. Um, and yeah, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. So yeah, Hanover are the next opponent for Fürth. Then of course, Frankenland derby with Nuremberg. And then Karlsruhe away for Hertha. Magdeburg on Friday night as well. Then Eintracht Braunschweig away. And then Kiel at home, which is a world feed game. And lastly, we'll talk about Osnabrück and Hansa Rostock. This game ended goalless. Um, and really, there's there's not much you can talk about on the Hansa Rostock side of things. They had one good opportunity in this game that fell to Junior Bromando on 14 minutes. After that, they basically defended for the majority of the game. Um, and if not for the excellence of one Marcus Kolker, this game ends 1-2-3, maybe 4-0 for Osnabrück. I thought Osnabrück were great. But they just couldn't find a way past the wall of Kolker. And, um, you know, they had their chances. I think the best one really was Conte on 52 minutes. Ball comes in from the wide areas. He gets a header, and, and it's such an awesome reactive save from Kolker. Klanhans all minutes later from distance, testing the palms of Kolker, then Reet on 88, and then even Jamfi deep in a stoppage time had his, had his opportunity. But, yeah, really, this game was about the goalkeeping. I thought Kuhn was also good despite not really having a lot to do. Um, but yeah, we, we talk about the opportunities needing to be taken for, for Osnabrück if they were to find their way out of the um, out of the drop zone. And well, to put it into, into niceties, they, they failed to do so. It was very disappointing. Um, and And now they face a really sort of precarious situation that Nine points adrift still of the bottom, and um, oh, sorry, off of seventeenth place and eight and sixteenth place as well. Um, look, they've only lost once in their last five games, which is a positive, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's gonna, it's still really difficult to see them climbing out of the bottom, and and Rostock aren't showing any improvement in the short span of time under Selim Begovic. They've had four games. They've got the one win, two defeats, and a draw. Uh, they weren't particularly great in this game. They still can't score goals. <laughs> that's the... Um, that's definitely the, the... the sort of underlying arc with where they're at. And... Um, yeah. It's, it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a frustration, I think, with Rostock that... You know, I think they banished uh, Lucas Sinsazid, the U23 team. Not that he was of much help during his time at in Rostock. Um, 
but yeah, they just don't have solutions. And I think if you were to sort of have a grand scale look at what could happen in the bottom section and, and relegation, you're probably looking at those two at the moment seem outstanding. I think the difference being that with, with Osnabrück, you can see like a little bit of signs of teams that they, like, they can actually do things. They just, they can't score goals either, uh, which is why these two teams are the worst goal scoring teams. In the division, um, I know I missed this. I probably should have brought this up at the start of the program, but um, on on Thursday, uh, the Deutsche Fußballliga came out with a bunch of statements regarding the media sort of marketing uh, strategic partnership, in which of course we saw more protesting throughout the season, uh, throughout the weekend as well, and yeah. I, I'm not so sure about the statement. It, it it feels like the kind of thing that might have been more beneficial had it come out before the voting took place around this time last year when all this news started to come out. It might have been a bit more beneficial to the cause. Um, like, I've given it a good read, and yeah, I can understand. Like, it acknowledges the skepticism of fans, but I you know, in parts, it doesn't feel like it does enough to really move the needle. And as such, we saw fans continuing to protest throughout the games. There were lots of stoppages and obviously the scenes in Hanover as well um, with, with Ma- about Martin Kind, who, you know, that one's probably a bit more clearer that it's a club that needs to do all it can to try and get rid of him. But uh, yeah, he seems to be a bit of a cockroach. So we'll see what happens going forward. I think that there's still a little bit of a lack of information regarding who these investors are and and potentially what happens from here because uh, maybe the best solution might be a revote and see what happens and if there's a revote and it goes up then we're going to have to accept it but we'll have to see what happens uh, in the future but it, it's probably clear that all the stuff that is coming out um, might have been served 12 months before we all started to to catch wind of what was happening regarding this strategic marketing partnership. That's it from us. Uh, We'll be back again next week to discuss all of the action from Match Day 22. We hope you enjoy the Super Bowl because I know myself as an NFL fan, we're hoping for a really good game and a Niners win that I gave away in the intro. Um, And yeah, we look forward to bringing you all the action from the upcoming weekend. We hope you have a fantastic week. Enjoy the football. And uh, we'll see you next time when the Zweiter Bundesliga returns.